Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed, here's a podcast that will help you ease your mind. We'll explain the plot real nicely, then we'll talk about what's frightening so you never have to have a spooky time. It's ruined. Oh, hello! This is Hallie. (laughs) (laughs) I just look at your earnest face and I was like... What can I, that what surprise came. can I give her? That is such a surprise. Hello, this is Allison. And I'm Kelly again. <laughs> it just reminds me, um, this is Ruined, the podcast where we wrote a horror movie. But before we get into that, let's talk about something even more terrifying. The rumor recently that there was an NC-17 version of um, um, Mrs. Mrs. Doubtfire, Doubtfire floating around. And uh, Christopher Columbus, the director, said, no, 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 there's not. But there's probably an R rating if I went back and looked. And I'm like, release the release R rated cut of Give Mrs. Doubtfire. Give us raunchy Mrs. Doubtfire. Give <sighs> us dirty, nasty Mrs. Doubtfire. Give us the Hallie, horror movie version. I'm good. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm uh, having a beer. We both are. So it's a relaxed, casual beers? episode. Um, I don't know. I'm feeling optimistic. I, I don't know whether it's just like, you know, hopefully... We're all getting the vaccination. We're all moving mm-hmm. forward into 2021. So I'm feeling good. How about you? I'm sharing that optimism. I have like a vaccine appointment and, you know, stuff is happening. But I am dealing with, I guess, like a large-scale crisis. Um, Great. Oh, good. Yeah, you really you really buried the lead <laughs> on that one. I am, I, two, two nights ago, I burned the ever-living fuck out of the top of my mouth. And tell us and what happened. Could you paint us a, a picture? I, I, I'll paint you a picture. I uh, There is a, a recipe on Smitten Kitchen that my friend had sent Love. me a couple months back. Love. And I've made this, I would say, four times. This was the first meal I made after my surgery was this dish. And Liquid it's a fire it's, casserole. Yeah, it's uh, molten lava in a pan. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, it basically is because it's, like, it, like, popped up. It's an old recipe, but it popped up again when the baked feta pasta thing was mm. going around. Which I'm going to make tonight. So it's a baked feta recipe, but it's it's not a pasta dish. Instead, you do, like, chickpeas and garlic and tomatoes Ooh. with it. And I, like, scoop it onto, like, crusty toasted bread. Oh, my God. Delicious. Delicious. Covered in herbs. Oh, it's so good. And so you just open the oven door and just immediately and start just eating it from the pan. put my mouth on the yeah, so like I I mean that cheese went from under a broiler to the roof of my mouth in under oh, 60 seconds. And it was I like it was the kind of thing where when I felt it happening, I was like something has it's just, this is not just kind of painful. Like I yeah. am I have ruined a part of my body maybe for life. Right, like you're going to have to go to the ER and be like, "Help me." Like you're just like, "I can't Hello. speak or eat anything." <laughs> Hello. I can there is nothing I can eat that does not hurt to eat. It's just varying degrees of pain. It's been like over 36 hours at this point and it still is incredibly painful and that's what I'm dealing with. I'm I'm so sorry. So when you make that, please be careful. That cheese gets hot as hell. Yes, we will let it rest for a second. Thank you for that advice, please everyone. Do. Please, we don't want you to end up in a tiny horror movie of your own screaming. No, this is a horror movie. 
It's like, it like skipped the stringy part and it's just like brand new skin. God damn. Oh, it hurts so bad. Anyway. Well, that's great because our movie of this week does have a lot of terrible burns in it. Um, but before we get to the film, we are going to read a email from our um, mailbag. Oh, yes. Sandy asks, uh, and thank you for sending us um, an email. She says, what is the scariest movie or movie scene you have ever watched? This is a great question, Sandy. Thank you. Wow. Um, now, Allison, you, having not watched that many, actually, you could probably, that's an easy question for you. You've only seen yeah, three or four I'm movies in your life. from like maybe six hours of footage. Um I love Silence of the Lambs. We have talked about Silence of the Lambs before mm-hmm. and how it doesn't qualify as a horror movie. However, her, like Jodie Foster in the dark house. Absolutely. Buffalo Bill wearing the night vision goggles. It, it still haunts me. It is like one of the most tense, terrifying scenes in cinematic history. And I still love that movie, but it like is, I would say that that's the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, that's a great one. And yeah, I mean, the, the conversation, whether it's horror, I mean, it's all subjective at a certain point. Right. I want to say, <laughs> yeah, I want to say, um, and you know, I've, I've seen a lot of scenes, but in terms of like how genuinely physically shaken I was, I would say the um, the ending of uh, Audition, um, which we, we yeah. please listen to our Audition episode. Mm-hmm. I won't spoil too much, you know, in mm-hmm. case you're, you know, excited to find out um, just listening from the episode. But yeah, just the ending of it, um, it's just sort of a torturous scene. The idea of being paralyzed and not being able to escape. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, jar- so, I, you know, that's the first thing that comes to mind is something where I was like, oh, no, I genuinely yeah. am horrified by this. Yeah, that sounds so scary. And yeah. I'm glad I've never seen it. <laughs> Actually, I'm just going to do the second. We already have, I have two questions in front of me. I'm just going to do the second oh, yeah. one. Let's do both. Also, because our producer, Sabrina's not on here to yell at me for going too long, so I'm going to make this as long <laughs> as I want. No, she will yell yeah. at me if Screw I go you, too Sabrina. long. Screw you, Sabrina. We're going to go um, for no. an hour and ten. No, I'm Yeah, just thank kidding. you very we much for you your and help. And uh, this wouldn't be possible without help. you. Yeah. No, it really wouldn't. <laughs> um, so Emily emailed, is there a horror movie that you were really excited to see that turned out to be so terrible that just made you mad? I have two answers to this, Ooh. one of which is a really, people are going to have a real a lot of issues with. One is I tried to watch um, the Megan is Missing, which we've addressed in our other mail, in our oh, actual yes, mail yes. episode. It's just sort of like, it is, you know, I understand people were like, what's a horror movie? Horrible things happen. Yeah, and certain horrible things I don't need to see, which is tween girls getting punched out by an adult man. Don't need no, to see I, it. No. Mm-mm, so mm-mm. I don't even know. Maybe if I if I watched the whole thing by the end of it, I'd be like, "Well, I I understand, and I I have a full no. I I'm, I was good. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then honestly, I don't think this movie is terrible, but I will say this is probably the biggest letdown. And I'm going to say it, and we're going to do it <gasps> at some point in the in the podcast. So uh, the movie Midsummer. Okay, I'm mm, just going to say mm-hmm, I love mm-hmm, Ari Aster. Mm-hmm. I loved Hereditary. Midsummer. As someone who loves uh, the movie Wicker Man, uh, which we also have done an episode yes. for, which you will hear in the future. Um, Midsummer to I was expecting from Midsummer what Ari Aster had delivered in Hereditary, which is like this completely it felt fresh. Like to me, yes. Hereditary felt scary and like novel, using these like familiar tropes. And Midsummer, I, when I was watching it, I kept thinking, okay, we're gonna put a twist on a very familiar folk horror right. concept of like you yeah. go to a, a small village and things are not as they seem. And he didn't do it in a way that I would argue is so close to the movie The Wicker Man that I'm like, well, you couldn't have just switched it up a little bit. So, yeah. again, it's not terrible. It's a great movie. However, maybe it's like I've just seen so many horror movies. I was expecting something mm-hmm. from it that it just was not. 
And that's fine. It just, I remember being disappointed after the fact. Have, okay. Did I see it twice in theaters? Of course. And I will see wow. whatever movie he does next. Oh my but God. Those I'm are so two excited to go to a movie theater again. That's oh. coming. That is coming. And just, I'm going to see Zola in theaters. Yes. Oh my gosh. Just getting a excited. giant cherry Coke, fountain cherry Coke. Oh, uh, fountain soda and popcorn. Or Raisinets. as I like, if I, Raisinets, popcorn, mm-hmm. a fountain diet Coke, and a glass of red wine, if I'm at a theater that has alcohol, is like the, I call it the cinema quartet. And it's just like the <laughs> perfect, it's the perfect like salty, sweet wine soda combo. I mean, it sounds perfect. It's it's amazing. I, I just like, I'll, I, I should, I kind of want it right now, but after the pod. I think my cinema quartet is the one time I snuck an entire Wendy's value meal into, <laughs> into a movie and then ate it while sobbing through the film Wally. So that would be my, if you really want to have a, a great experience, do that. And see the movie Wally. Incredible. Incredible. All right. So that being said, sorry, Sabrina, this is very long. We are going to get started with <laughs> our, so we're keeping with our sci-fi theme of the month, which I really think is my favorite subgenre. Really? Because you are Why? trapped. Yeah. I think it's the perfect um, in-between of like, you were trapped. You can't just go to the police. Or, you know, it's like, there's a scientific event going well, not on. not yet, until we have Space Force or whatever. The- <laughs> no. <laughs> right, yeah. Shout out to anyone who's on Space Force, the very real thing that I'm sure is going to actually happen. It is definitely going to protect us in outer space, only if you're American. Um, Ugh, yuck. Yeah. So, uh, by, in between, it's like, it's a, it's a thing. You can't just call the police. You can't just leave the house. You know what I mean? You are mm-hmm. stuck there. Right. But you're also, stuck. It's not like, oh, there's nothing you could do. Like, you use your wits as, like, an astronaut or a scientist. Like, you're trying to use your skills. Yeah. I will also say the thing that I find intriguing um, about, like, sci-fi and also especially things set in space, which today's movie is, is, like, on Earth, when there's paranormal stuff, like, in movie, if there's a movie that's about, like, a demon or, like, a monster, like, I'm very aware that those things don't exist. Like, Mm -hmm. monsters aren't real. But, like... I don't know that they're not in space. And so it has the feeling of realness that like a monster movie on Earth does not have. Completely. So it's scarier. I completely agree. So let us begin. (laughs) Uh, Our film this week is 1997's Event Horizon, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson and written by Philip Eisner. And we like to get Allison's reaction to the trailer. Allison, what did you Mm -hmm. think of the Event Horizon trailer? I mean, very scary. That was very scary. <laughs> I didn't like it. But it also, I was like, we when we were chatting before the podcast, I was like, it looks good. Like, it looks like mm-hmm. a good movie because I think, like, the mid to late 90s are the heyday of, of cinema for me. I think, like, the best films came out of that five years. So we always like to take a baseline scary for the concept of the film. And so, Allison, how do you feel about the concept of a haunted house in space. Well, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I don't like that at mm-hmm. all. Why would I like that? That sounds awful. You're taking two scary things and putting them together. This is no peanut butter and mint. This is this oh, is a this nightmare. Is peanut butter and mint. <laughs> this is for most people. Two things um, that are terrifying when put together. Yeah, I guess that is what's so compelling about it to me is like it's the haunted house that you simply can't leave. You can't walk away because yeah. you can't walk right. into space. You can't get in the car and. Drive, yeah. You don't have a space car, Allison. Oh, no space car. So before we get started, I always like to ask Allison, Allison, would you like to guess the twist in Event Horizon if you think there will be a twist? Guess the twist. 
I feel like there is going to be like some kind of like twisty reveal about like what happened to that ship that they're all on right. now, like where everybody went. And like maybe the people are still alive, but worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. These worse. are excellent guesses. <laughs> so let us begin. We are about to ruin Event Horizon. Open on my favorite thing in every horror movie. Text on the screen. Oh, no. And I'm not being sarcastic. I love this. I love no, when you I know. tell me a little bit, a little amuse-bouche. Um, and the text says, Deep Space Research Vessel Event Horizon launched to explore boundaries in solar system in 2040. She disappears without a trace beyond the eighth planet Neptune. It is the worst space disaster on record. <gasps> And honestly, and I mean, maybe this is being judgmental, but like if it's 2040 and the worst space disaster is like one spaceship full of people has disappeared, that's pretty good. Because that I happened keep, with a plane like five years ago here. Oh, I, and there, it doesn't look like there's hundreds of people or anything on it. And I keep thinking about like Elon Musk, you know, like how he's, they've all Ugh. like moved to Texas to like go to Mars. I'm like, oh, so many people are going to die on those initial trips. Like it, it's so just many. unfortunately the nature of, of trying to terraform a new planet. So in 2040, the Event Horizon disappeared seven years later. The Event Horizon has reappeared in orbit around Neptune. And we immediately sort of go inside the ship, which is already spooky and dark, and the gravity's mm-hmm. been turned off. So the there's just things floating around, like random cups and stuff. And then we zoom in on a corpse floating in the control room. Nope. And the corpse's mouth is twisted in a scream. It's covered in blood and cuts, and its eyes have been gouged out as we hear <sighs> screaming. Suddenly, Dr. William Weir, played by 90s, acting great Sam Neill from Mm -hmm. Jurassic Park, wakes up with a jolt to his alarm. It was a dream, Allison. And he's sleeping in a little pod. He's on the ship Lewis and Clark. And he he is the inventor and creator of the Event Horizon. But he's okay. more of like the technical, like he's uh, he's on Earth. He's right. not going out engineer. in space. Engineer, yeah. He's the engineer. That's the word. And he's going with the um, crew of the Lewis and Clark, who's like a rescue ship, to Neptune to find out, A, if there's any crew and if they can be saved, and B, if not, can they like pull the hard drives and find out where it went for seven years because they have no idea. Okay. So it was gone and it's just popped up again. It has popped up and it's completely unexplained. So as he's getting ready in his little cube and, like, shaving, he has all these photos of his wife, Claire, and we don't know anything about her except he's looking at his photos wistfully, and then he looks over and he sees the bathtub. I thought it was interesting to have a bathtub on a spaceship, but I understand. This is the future. We're taking baths in space. I don't know that I do, scientifically. I guess guess in this future, there's artificial gravity. I guess it's like every space thing where it's like, well, we don't want to have to constantly shoot things in zero gravity, so... Yeah. Everyone could walk We're going to have to make something up. Yeah. I'm sure there's a, I mean, a reality to that in some way, but. Yeah. I the guess bath these just are, feels so messy. I know. So he's looking at the bath and he sort of has this wistful look on his face and he's like shaving with a straight razor. So we already get the idea that like Dr. Weir's maybe like not in a great headspace. Like something right. has happened in his life with his wife, you know, yes. so he's maybe, you know, maybe not all there. So he joins the rest of the crew. Captain Miller played by the illimitable Lawrence Fishburne, who I love. This movie made me wish, like, he had been slightly younger or, like, was coming up now. Like, he would have been an action star. Like, he's incredible in this movie. Yeah. Um, Lieutenant Stark, Smith, who's the pilot, Peter's the medical technician, the engineer, Justin, 
uh, Dr. DJ and Rescue Tech Cooper. And I think Cooper's supposed to be like the young, like Will Smith. Like he's the um, comedic relief. Okay. And they There's are- There's comedic relief. They, believe me, this movie needs it. Like, okay. it's a little much, but I feel like he, they're like, we need something to break up how heavy this gets. Yeah. So he's just constantly like, what? Perfect. In a way that it's like, okay, this is the 90s, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. No, that's um, fair. So they are on a uh, search and rescue mission. They are all pissed off because they were all pulled off leave to go on this rescue mission. They don't want to go. They're like, there's nothing around Neptune. It's like a, one of their more remote parts of yeah, that we go so to in the far solar away. system. And none of them, like, they're all like, they don't believe the Event Horizon could possibly be back. Because they're all people who work on ships. They're like, right, if it they disappeared. Understand. Yes. It's not like QAnon being like. Yes. <laughs> it's been gone the whole, it's, it's never coming back or what. Like, you're not scientists or based in reality. Like, these people know. Yeah, and so they're like, this is bullshit. Like, they don't, they're like, we're probably going for some other reason they're not telling us. So they all settle down, and we find out that they're going to go to, I, again, I, this is like what I was trying to explain, um, hiking gear or like spelunking gear in uh, The Descent, where I'm like, yes, they go into like the gravity pods and they're going sure, to yeah. sleep. I don't know. We're not going like, to know or need to get into the specifics of how that stuff works. Yeah, you've seen a sci-fi movie. So they're yeah. all getting into these like liquid-filled chambers. They're going to go to sleep until they arrive at Neptune, which apparently is going to take 56 days. So they're all getting ready, and Dr. Weird— That seems like Weird, not a long time. No, not at all. I mean, I guess, you know, it's uh, 2047. We've made huge strides. and um, I am into that. <laughs> I Oh, my God. Can you being dead asleep for 56 days? I feel like that's the only Ugh. thing that's going to, like, set me right after this past year. I know. It's really going to take, like, a, a mini coma. And so they put everyone into their individual chambers with the idea in 60 days they're going to wake up. Dr. Weir wakes up to the sound of his wife whispering to him. Mm -mm. His chamber opens, all the liquid jumps out. And I'm like, is this motherfucker going to be alone for 56 days? Like, is there food, you know? And so he's now just like loose on the ship and he keeps hearing his wife whispering to him, Elson, she's not on the ship. You know, that's already a bad sign. That's not good. And he hears Claire's voice whispering, I'm so alone. And he's like, "Is so? did someone stow away? Is my wife here? You know? And so finally he goes into the control room and he finds his wife. She's totally nude. She is dripping wet. And oh, she's no. sitting in the captain's chair. And she turns to him and she opens her eyes and her eyes are gone. It's just <gasps> empty eye sockets. No! And she tells him, I'm waiting. Suddenly, Dr. Weir wakes up again. Yes, that's the second dream we've had so far in this movie, Allison. Wow, it was dream just a heavy. dream. Okay. And he's waking up because they've all been let out of their gravity chamber. So it was like a split second. He just, in his mind, he just went to sleep and now it's 56 days later and they're waking okay. up because they've arrived. Wow. They're arriving outside um, the orbit of Neptune. That's and cool. he he's panicked and everyone's like, it's totally fine. Like everyone yeah. freaks out. And so they all sort of like get ready and get dressed. And Cooper is offering him coffee and then Cooper's trying to hit on Lieutenant Stark and he's like, would you like something hot and black inside you? Which like, okay. I guess, again, it was, it was, He's, like, both charming and very cute. And part of me's like, well, maybe, you know, in a different movie, they would have had a romance. But also, that's sexual harassment. You can't say mm-hmm. that to your coworkers. You know, like, you really we're trapped can. in space. You know, you can't assume that there she There isn't does. even HR in space. Except, you're, yeah, you're going to call someone? You're going to Zoom with someone on HR? It, you know. So no. she declines. And while they're sort of getting ready, we see that Peters is looking at a video of her son. She has a son who uses mm-hmm. a wheelchair back on Earth. And Captain Miller apologizes to her and is like, I'm sorry, I really tried to get somebody else 
because I, I knew you were spending time with your kid, but I they just was such short notice to send us out here. And Peter's like, it's fine. My my ex-husband has him, and then I'm going to get him for the summer. So as far as we know, they're within the year, or I don't know how many months, but they're not going to be gone that long. Forever. So like, yeah, they're yeah. going, figuring things out, and coming back. Exactly. So I guess like, yeah, 100 days or however that, yeah, 120 yeah, yeah. days total, whatever. Okay. She's like, it's fine, you know, but she, we see her son, and he's very cute and sweet. So it's like, all these people are not happy to be, on this, on this okay. uh, mission is what we find out. Mm-hmm. And they all introduce themselves. Thank God I appreciate that in any movie because I'm trying to figure out people's names and I'm like, who's that guy? They never say it. Honestly, give me a Chiron <laughs> or a name tag. Like, I need... A name tag. A name tag. I need to be handheld through the introduction process of every movie and television show. Completely. And so they are, they're all going around the table and finally Cooper says, what the fuck are we doing way out here? And um, Dr. Weir starts to explain that they think they found the event horizon. Everyone's like, the ship blew up. It was in the news. He's like, that's what the government wanted you to think. This is oh, the, yeah, the no. future QAnon. Um, right. And so he says, the event horizon was the culmination of a secret government project to create a spacecraft capable of faster than light flight. And all of them were like, well, that's not fit- possible. Like, we are all like engineers and scientists here. You can't do that. He's like... Well, no, you're right. We can't violate the law of, of relativity. So instead, we go around it. The ship has a reactor that can fold space time itself. And he uses the analogy of like a magazine, where it's like if you're holding a magazine open, the end, edges are very far apart. But if you close it, they're right next to each other. Okay. And he kind of jams okay. a pencil. So essentially, essentially, this ship can fold space time and then leap through it to a different point, and they're like, is that even possible? Like, this is like a new technology. Um, He says, it is possible. I designed it. Um, And they're like, okay, wow, this is crazy. Also, it turns out that we we got like a distress signal. That's why we knew that the ship was even out here. Here's the distress signal. Allison, it is human screams. It is creatures roaring. It is is screaming Latin phrases. Like, it is just like... Latin? In space? Latin is Latin in space. <laughs> and it's not good, you know. That is not good. I never want to hear Latin. That is a signal of a huge problem. And I would say as someone who is Catholic and has been to Latin masses, it is. It, it if is. you hear a bunch of Latin, get the hell out of here. It's dead language. <laughs> and um, Dr. DJ, because his doctor says, Liberate. I was like, Liberate. May something. I can't make out the rest. Liberate me. Save me. So somebody or something is screaming in Latin, save me. No, that is absolutely not okay. Allison, they don't even have time to discuss this because they have arrived at Neptune. Like, they're there. They're there. So they sort of, they dock onto the side of it. They're like a much smaller little ship. And the Event Horizon, it looks to me like a space station. I guess it's a Mm -hmm. spaceship, but it looks gigantic. Okay. Um, and so Stark, because she's a lieutenant, is the one doing like all the analyzing, and she's like, the, it, there's air inside and the hull is intact, but the thermal drive is off, so everything is frozen inside the ship, and the gravity is turned off, so it's, everything's flying around. So they say, oh, do a bioscan and see if you can find any humans. She's like, well, um, I'm doing a bioscan, and it seems to be uh, telling me there's life all over the ship, but in a way that doesn't make sense if it was just individual people. No. Yes. No. Also... Smith, I don't like this. Smith smokes cigarettes on the Lewis and Clark, which I'm like, you're allowed to smoke in space? Like, that's how insane. Smoke on a plane in 2047? And like, that's how crazy the 90s were. They're like, yeah, in in decades from now when we're in space, you'll be smoking in a spaceship. Still, yeah, we'll, we'll be able to smoke in enclosed areas. Absolutely not. Disgusting. 
So everyone's getting ready to go on, and Dr. Weir's getting ready, and they're like, you're not going on the ship. You're not an astronaut. You have no training, and, like, we have to go into space in a spacesuit to go to the airlock. Right. Yeah. You're, you're going to get fucking killed out in space. It's like, I want to go on. Like, he's so pouty, and it's like, you need to grow up already. All right, man. Like, yeah. get a grip. A Dr. Weir, and that's, I again, like, that's why I love sci-fi horror movies, the hubris, the arrogance, the idea, like, well, yes. I can, I mastered one piece of science, ergo, I must know everything. Unfortunately, right. there are things beyond human understanding. So um, they go over, and I also think the corridor where they shot, the central corridor of the Event Horizon, I believe is the exact same corridor filmed in the movie Lost in Space. Like, I feel like they okay. had a big set, and they just yeah. reused it because it looks exactly the same. They should reuse it. I like the belief that, like, space yeah. is uh, constant across genres. <laughs> so the three people that go over are Captain Miller, Peter's the med tech, and then Justin— and okay. they go over, and they see that in this big quarter, essentially they have like the the bridge on the front of the sh- of the event horizon, a huge long corridor, and then like the rest of the ship. And they're like, "This is a very odd design." And also, we notice there's a bunch of explosives in the corridor. And they're oh, able good. to talk to Doctor Weir, and Doctor Weir says, "That's like if there's some sort of issue on the ship, you could explode the corridor and then use the bridge as a lifeboat." So okay. It's a good thing that's set up because guess what? It's going to come up later. They're going to need that. Yeah. So they go and they're walking around and it's very creepy and dark and silent. And uh, the atmosphere of Neptune has is filled with uh, lightning and thunder. So it gives you like a really great haunted house effect. Ooh. You are seeing these lightning flashes and like hearing that. thunder in the distance. And so they're creeping around. And it's like they think they're in a sci-fi movie, but we know they're in a horror movie, which is a lot of fun. Ooh. So they immediately split up. Of course, you would never do that. Don't but they don't know. Up. They don't, don't know, Allison. Up. Just assume you're in a horror movie. Just assume all the time. Don't also, like, split what up. What if something is damaged? Somebody gets people. hurt. Yeah, like right. somebody gets like somebody. Uh, like there's so much of things that could happen on a spaceship that could also happen in a haunted house. Let's yes. not yes. think they're totally yes. different. Right. Um. So uh, and Captain Miller says this place is a tomb, and just then he's startled by a, a floating glove, and he screams, "Oh fuck oh. me!" So that was like a fun moment. That's fun. Um, so they send Justin down to the engineering deck and he finds the gravity core, which is what powers the ship. So okay. he's looking around. They're not finding anybody. Um, Peters gets to the bridge and she finds like on the controls, there's a little bit of blood behind her, which she does not notice yet. The wall is covered in not just blood, but like it looks like bodies have exploded up the wall. Like there's like multiple skulls bursting, like bones up, splattered up against the wall. Mm-mm. Again, Mm-mm. they're in a horror movie. We, we they don't know what we know it. And uh, Doctor Weir tells Peters to go get the captain's log, and because they can see, well, what was the last transmission? And because this is 2047, it's on a CD that is jammed in the CD drive. And so she has to, like, wrestle it out. I was like, oh, the oh, 90s. God. You couldn't have invented 90s. some, like, just, future technology and assumed it wouldn't be CDs. Right. Like, you're just like, no, it's still, we're going to, even though we've gone through eight tracks and tapes and and a bunch of different computing, like, floppy disks, like, CDs are going to be what sticks. Like, No. <laughs> So, um, and everyone is everyone else is still on Lewis and Clark watching them, so they're all sort of like weighing in on what what she should do. And she's able to pull the CD out and then turns down, and we see the floating eyeless corpse we saw at the beginning of the film in Dr. Weir's dreams. So that's not a good sign either, is that we're seeing a corpse that somebody saw in a dream in reality. You know what I mean? I don't like that. We're, don't care for the that lines at all. are blurred. 
Um, and so they're like, oh, maybe like there was decompression and his eyes got sucked out, which I guess could happen if you were exposed to like the vacuum of space. And other people were like, I think his eyes were clawed out. You know, like it looks like an animal tore them out. No, neither of which are good. Um, yeah, yeah. There's not like a better of those two. <laughs> um, so Justin's in the gravity drive, and it looks the gravity drive looks like it's designed by um, Pinhead and Hellraiser. Like it's this gigantic spiky ball. Like, like different okay, rings great. around a circular ball, and then, like, the room is covered in spikes. I don't know what the science of that would be, but there we have it. And he's scanning it, like, I'm getting some really strange readings. All of a there sudden, the gravity drive opens up, and, like, nope. Justin's video feed goes out, and he is touching the inside of the gravity. It's like, who... I don't know anything about science, nope. but I know that nope. if you see something, you don't know what it is, you don't immediately you don't put your it. finger into it. no. You absolutely don't touch it. And the Museum sur- rules. Don't touch anything. <laughs> the surface he's touching looks like a rippling, and it's the 90s, so the graphics are not great, but okay. it's like a rippling black pool of tar that like moves as he <gasps> touches it. And Mm-mm. he puts his finger in Alice, and he's just immediately sucked into this black pool at the center of this it's like, well, sphere. What did you think would happen? Exactly. You're going to start finger painting with it? Like, no, it's definitely going to fuck you up. Yeah, just going to take a lick of it, and then you'll know what. This is like every uh, all the new alien movies, like Prometheus. People had a problem with this. Like everyone's taking off their helmets. Everybody's like putting yeah. things in their face or smelling things. Uh, well, Justin unfortunately does the dumbest thing you possibly could do. Touches this thing. Mm-mm. And is dragged inside. Luckily, he's uh, Captain Miller, uh, Peters, and Justin all have like a metal tether attached to them, Lewis and Clark. So the tether starts getting pulled into the middle of this sphere. <gasps> and oh, everyone's no. like, oh my God, and they're trying to pull him out. But like, there's such a force dragging him, they can't. So Cooper puts on his suit and he's like, I'm going to go in. And nope. he's trying to go out and find him. Justin's entrance into this gravity core sends like a burst of energy through the ship that, like, blows out all these windows, it damages things, it starts fire, and it damages the outside of the Lewis and Clark to the point that everyone has to evacuate from the Lewis-Clark into the event horizon, including Dr. Weir. So their spaceship, which is how they're going to escape, is now extremely damaged. And Smith is the only one who's like, we cannot go on that ship. We don't know what happened to everyone. Like, we haven't even found their body. Like, we found one corpse. Where is everyone else? And everyone's like, we have to go because the, the hull of the ship has been breached. So if we stay out here, the whole thing is going to decompress and we'll die anyways. Allison, what would you do? What would you do? Oh, God. I mean, don't they give, I mean, most of my knowledge of space is from the movie Contact. Um, and don't they give you a cyanide tablet when you go to space? I knew that was going to be your answer, and I, I could have referring to it as the <laughs> Allison special. The Allison special, I think this movie, much like some of our other sci-fi stuff, I think may, might be the best way to go. But because yeah. there's there's no other option. You can't stay on the other ship. You are forced right. by science to go yeah. somewhere you don't want to go. This is where I would kill myself. I think about that line from Contact all the time. It is the reason that I would never go to space, even if we, like, prove that it's, like, a fun place to be. Because they're, like, the cyanide is, like... It's it's for all the things you could think would happen, and then all the things that you you can't or whatever. Oh, it's like it's like we don't know what line. could kill you up there, and like you don't know like how awful that might be. So you think it's like you're gonna like get hurt, but it's like it could be so much worse. And I'm just like, well, yes, no space yeah. for me. Well, there's definitely a lot of things that are gonna happen in this movie that are the worst that none of these yes. people could have possibly anticipate. So Cooper is able to pull Justin out of the gravity drive. 
but he is just he he's in a rough shape, and yeah. um, they rough take shape him down. Like he is uh, unconscious with his eyes open, but unresponsive. Oh, so he's okay. alive, but he mentally has something has whatever he has seen Tough or experienced yeah. in the core of this ship has mentally destroyed him to the point where he cannot speak. Okay. So they take him down to the sick bay, and, and they're like, well, if we have to be here until we, like, figure out what to do with the ship, you know, they turn on the gravity, they turn on the, um, you know, the, the heaters, and so, like, they start to, like, explore the ship, trying to figure out what to do. It turns out the radio and communication system is down, so they cannot call for help. And, mm. oh, here, I made a note, my, I made a note, it said, Allison, I'm pretty sure I know what you do. <laughs> um, this is where I kill myself. <laughs> so they calculate that they have 20 hours of breathable oxygen, which <gasps> gives them 20 hours to repair the hull of the Lewis and Clark or they're fucked. And Smith, oh who's God. the one who's like, we shouldn't have never gotten on here. Like, this is already, like, I could feel like there's some bad mojo in here. He's like, I'm going to the outside and I will fix the Lewis and Clark my fucking self as long as I don't have to be in this ship. So he goes to the outside of the Lewis and Clark and essentially has to, like, solder the hole back together while in space. Jesus I hope these Christ. people are being paid a lot of money because this, there's, this that is like is, at any mo- moment any of them could die. Yes, absolutely. Um, so they, Doctor DJ and Stark take Justin to the sick bay. You know he's physically fine. Like they do a scan, but so they can't figure out exactly what he's wrong. And he's like, I pulled Justin out, and like the core was liquid, and then it became solid, and then it closed. And Doctor Weir is like, that's not scientifically possible. It's like, bitch, what? grow up. You don't know? This thing has been gone for seven years, inexplicably disappeared. What if something was damaged? What if somebody tampered with it? Like, the idea that you're right. going to say something that you have not ever been on, actually. Right. And then, like, has been gone for seven years. Like, that's not scientifically possible. Well, then open y- your mind. Yes, it is. <laughs> it absolutely is. Because that's what's happening. Exactly. And he said that would mean the gateway was open. And Cooper's like, okay, then the gateway must have opened. Like, right. the... the uh, it's um, what is it? The Occam's Razor. The simplest answer right. is usually the accurate one. Yes. Well, guess what, bitch? Another thing referenced in contact. <laughs> Doctor Weir says the gateway can't be open because the gravity drive wasn't activate, and it can't activate itself. Okay, again, what then? What caused that huge energy blast to go right. through the ship? He's not offering right. answers. He's just saying no. That can't be it. Right. It's like, well, let's get some solutions, buddy. And I, I wrote here, hubris overweening pride. He's already so arrogant that he's going to tell mm-hmm. them, well, I didn't design it that way, so it couldn't have done that. It's like, okay, well, then you were okay. going to die in space, dude. It I don't know to tell you. Yeah. And so uh, Captain Miller says, okay, so like maybe we're misunderstanding what you're saying. Cooper's describing what he saw. And maybe we're, you tell us what you think, it, what, what, interpret his what he's saying. And Dr. Weir says, I think Mr. Cooper is delusional, bitch. But if I mean, he did, maybe it was an optical effect caused by a gravitational distortion. Okay, then just say that. Why are you like, right. he's insane. Okay, except there's an explanation for what he experienced. Well, then what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Stop poking holes. And so we have Dr. Weir, sort of this arrogant, unreliable scientific narrator already. And that's what's fun about right. sci-fi. Like, for example, Splice. Or is it like, you could be a scientist, so we, which we look at, or the fly. We look at it as this, like, we trust them. They have an authority. They're level-headed. Well, as this is evidence, no, they're not. Because they're coming at a situation with a predisposed view of how things work. And Captain Miller's, like, much more level-headed. He's like, you know, if he got sucked into the core, we need to right. figure out what, what it is. What is in the core, Doctor? Oh, no. And Dr. Weir tells them the gravity core 
creates an artificial black hole. No. And Stark says, so there's a fucking black hole on the ship, like the most destructive force in nature? So not only is Dr. Weir arrogant, he thinks that he could put a black hole in a ship and know how it's going to react. Right, right. And, like, assume there would be no consequences if things went wrong. Like, he seems pretty, like, bent on, like, why would a black hole, like, get fucked up? And it's like, that's what they do, man. Exactly. Yeah, we don't know know what the plan is. Yeah. Captain Miller says, okay, well, we're sealing off the gravity core. No one's going in there. We don't know what the fuck happened to Justin, but it's not good. And Dr. Weir says, so there's no danger. Bitch, what are you talking about? What? Look at the guy laying down here. Like, something is, ugh, God, men. So- so he, we check in. Peters is trying to get information off the ship's log. And, of course, that's the problem with CDs. If you scratch them once, you can never play them again. But she's able yep. to get the, you know, she's starting. And all the crew looks normal. Like, the original crew of the Event Horizon, they seem okay. totally fine. We now ha- realize that most of them have blown up the side of this wall and are just, like, mush on the side of the wall of the bridge. Cool. We just see their bones and, and stuff. But everyone seems fine. Like, there's no evidence as she's watching the diary now, I would have watched the last one first, but she doesn't do that because this is a movie, so we got to build up to it. Right, right. And that is the right thing to do, is to watch the last one first. Yeah. Just find out what happened. Exactly. Wait, cut. Yeah, this movie would be 20 minutes long. Oh, something bad happened. We have to leave right now. Um, right. And so while she's uh, watching it and sort of checking in on Justin, she hears a scratching. And what I would describe as, I was I don't know anything about surgery, but it's like a tent you put over people when they're having surgery. You know, like, so. I mean, like, maybe in space. Yeah, so let's say it's a space surgery tent. And I don't know. I don't think I was in a tent when I had my surgery. Yeah, would, I wonder would they have to tell you that? A medical tent? A medical They're like, tent? oh, you were in a tent. And I'm like, I was in a tent. Um. <laughs> and that's it. Then it's, you get charged $100,000 for your tent on your bill. So God. Peter hears this sound and she looks over and she sees inside that tent a human hand clawing at the, at the wall. There are a few things as scary as a human hand uh like, reaching out from the inside. I would even say that in Titanic, when they have sex in the car on the boat and one of their hands is in the condensation on the window, that's scary to me. I agree. And I remember as a child seeing that movie, or a, a tween, and and the hand was so wet and clammy that I was yeah. like, I guess it's <sighs> like, okay, they're supposed to be sweaty. It's like, well, yeah, but like, that's not the sexy, sweaty part. It's like your uh-uh. clammy hand pressing against a, a cold window. Yeah, in the hull of a ship. Anyway. So Peters pulls off the tent because she's braver than I. And underneath, she sees her son, Danny, and his legs are rotting and decayed and covered in maggots. What? Just then, Dr. DJ startles her. And when Peters looks back, the hallucination is gone. But now we see, okay. People are seeing things. Yes. So things are starting to get even worse. And Smith comes in, take a break from fixing the hull. Turns out we have 12 hours left, you know. And I was like, can they just send, like, Cooper or Stark or somebody else to help him? Like, why? Right. Everybody should be out there trying to fix the hull. But maybe they don't yes. have all the same, t- like, abilities. I don't Skills. know. Skills. I don't know. And there's a lot of, like, again, with 90s movies where it's like, I'm just going to take it face value that this is, <laughs> they know what they're doing. Because I feel like everyone's right. going to be outside fixing the shit and we're getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. That would be a group effort. So Peters finds the la- finally finds the last log entry on the captain's log. And um, we see that the captain signs off being like, we're about to leap, make the, uh, an incredible scientific leap and turn on the gravity core. And he says in Latin, hail and farewell. Then it cuts to static and we just hear screaming. But, and Peter says, okay. of course, 
well, I'm going to have to like go back in there and try to refine the image because I can't see what's happening with the screaming. Whatever it is, it's, it's like, not good. Not good. It's not a tickle party. Exactly. Yeah, they're not <laughs> screaming with excitement that something yeah. cool is happening. Yeah, they're like, fireworks! It's like, no, something is killing us. So just then, the lights go down and the emergency lights come on and they realize there's a power drain from the ship, which Weir said is coming from the gravity core. Oh, which, bitch, you just told us can't turn on, but apparently it is because it just right. turned on by itself. Oh, no. So Captain Miller and Dr. Weir go to the gravity core and Dr. Weir has to crawl into the circuitry of the room itself, which is actually a very fun effect where he's crawling through like what looks like an air duct, but it's lined with like green glowing circuit boards. Mm-hmm. And he has to crawl on. And finally, he finds the one that looks, it's like sparking so he's fixing it. Unfortunately, he hears his wife, Claire, whispering to him again. And the lights go out, and he's sort of like panicked, scrambling, scurrying through these like glowing green hallways. And finally, Claire shows up, and of course, she is nude and totally soaking wet and has no eyes. And he's screaming and freaking out. Meanwhile, back in the main room, Captain Miller... You know, he's like, are you okay in there? And then Captain Miller turns around, and there's a man totally engulfed in flames... Oh, my God. Standing in, like, the pool of liquid underneath the um, gravity core. There's just, like, you know, I think for a dramatic effect, just a pool of random liquid. And the flaming man stands up and stares at him. (gasps) Cut to back on the bridge. Captain Miller's like, here's what I saw. I I don't know how to explain it and whatever. And Dr. D is like, well, maybe as the oxygen's being depleted, the air is more... Is, has more carbon dioxide, maybe we're having hallucinations. Because Peters also reveals, I saw my son. Right. right. Dr. Weir does not tell them that he saw his wife. It's like, fuck guy. you. How fuck dare you. you? You must like, want to die out here. Right. But now yeah. you're bringing all these people with you. You want to be an idiot? Be an idiot. Don't make all these other people suffer. Exactly. And he tells Peters, maybe you're, maybe you're traumatized, you know, from the events of the day. And she, he says, like, come Shut on, up. man. Everyone hates Dr. Weir. Good. And, and Captain Miller's like, I don't think it was a hallucination because I could feel the heat of the fire on my face. Like, <gasps> if this was a visual hallucination, I could understand that. But, like, this was like a phys- physically something yeah. was there. And uh, they, they're asking everyone else, like, have you experienced anything like this? And he asked, they asked Smith, like, have you experienced this? And Smith says, no, and I don't need to because I know this ship is fucked, which I appreciate. He's like, I don't need to have an yeah. hallucination. I could tell you that something fucked up was going on here. Right. And Dr. Beer says, well, thanks for that scientific analysis, Mr. Smith. Go to hell. So everyone hates Dr. Weir, and I absolutely am on board with him. And Smith lunges at him, and he's like, you don't need to be a fucking scientist to figure out this thing is wrong. You break all the laws of physics, and you seriously don't think that there will be a price? Like, you killed the last crew. Like, this ship killed them. Whatever it is, we don't know. We can't explain it yet. But don't pretend like that's not what's going on. Dr. Weir is like, (laughs) oh, my God. Like, he's trying to pretend somehow this is not— inadvertently his fault. Not that I'm blaming him. You can't create a black hole and know what's going to happen. Right. But also, you can't be surprised when things go south. Yeah, and it's sort of like in the descent, you know, when they ask Sam, like, well, what do you think the crawlers are? It's like if Sam said, what crawlers? I don't, I didn't see any crawlers. Right. It's like, you were in the cave too, bitch. Like, you were also in danger on the ship. But, an unreliable narrator. And um, Stark comes up to Captain Miller and she's like, okay, I've got some bad news because I've been doing bioscans and I've come up with a theory. And my theory is is that like I've been finding like a tons of DNA and RNA like all over the ship, like in place. Like it's not in a person, it's just in the ship. And she's saying the readings and the hallucinations when taken together are behaving in a defensive way as you would see in in an immune system. So she's saying the ship is reacting to us like 
we are like an invading body or bacteria. And Captain Miller's like, if one more person puts something else on my plate, I'm going to go fucking nuts. <laughs> He's like, I don't think that makes any sense. She's like, I'm I'm saying the ship is reacting to us, and these reactions seem to be getting worse the longer that we're here, so we need to get out of here. And Captain yeah. Miller's like, okay, wow, well, that's we really good advice. To, yeah, we can at least agree on that. And he says to her, so are you telling me this ship is alive? And she said, if you want an answer, that's all I've got, is that the ship is acting as if it's a yeah. living entity. Okay, great. Great, 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 great. Back, back of the bridge, Peters, who's obviously very rattled from seeing her son in, in a, this horrible state, covered in maggots, pacing is pacing back and forth as she's doing a bunch, and then finally she comes back and we realize that Justin's body is gone. So Justin is nope. up and about in the <gasps> ship, and who knows what he's doing? Mm-mm. And she just said, like, there's here this like pounding and slamming on the the wall of the, the door of the bridge. Like, this pounding, slamming, and everyone's screaming, like, what could possibly be causing this? And Dr. Weir is sitting in the captain's chair and sort of in, like, a hypnotic state, stands up and he says to himself, open the door. And he goes <gasps> to open the door, and luckily Stark stops him and twists his arm behind him, and then the door stops. But obviously, like, whatever's causing this is now able to manipulate Dr. Weir. Him. Okay. Yes. And then it's like, well, for how long has that been going on? A great, considering how early these sort of visions started, maybe this entire time. Unfortunately, they don't even have time to deal with, like, why would you right. open this door, like, where this banging is? We don't know what was causing right. that. It turns out Justin is up and about, and he is in the airlock. And he has overrode the system. He is going to no. open up the door to space and kill himself. Because I guess he'll explode once, like, he hits the vacuum of space. Or freeze and then explode. Yeah. And everyone's like, don't do it, Justin. Don't do it. And then they run up to the airlock and they're like, you know, you can't, you can't do this. And he presses the button. Luckily, he gets 30 seconds to give some, you know, exposition while the door right. is opening. And they're like, oh, my God, like, he will explode, you know. And and finally, he's like, you don't understand. There's a darkness inside me. <gasps> and he says, it shows you things, horrible things. What does? The dark inside me from the other place i won't go back there i won't no baby bear come on now open that door if you could see the things i've seen you wouldn't try to stop me and they're like okay well that sounds bad but let's talk about that inside the ship you know like that sucks but like that is so awful But then suddenly Justin, like, comes to, and he's suddenly aware what's going on. He's like, oh, my God, open the door. Like, he didn't mean to do any of this. He was being sort of puppeted by the ship. And so he's banging on the door, and they're like, we can't. Like, once the external door is uh, activated, the internal door won't open because if it did, then everyone would be sucked out of the ship, which makes sense. I appreciate that that safety is there. Yes. So they call, Captain Miller has went back to try to help um, Smith, and I think Cooper now is on this, the hull of the ship. So they call Captain Miller like, um, Justin's trying to essentially die, so you have to come back and help us. Captain Miller f- clamors on the outside of the event horizon to the outside of the airlock, and Justin, as the airlock depressurizes, like his veins start bulging out of his skin. His eyeballs explode. And there's this horrible shot where he's got his hands covering his eyes and there's just blood globules streaming out between his fingers into into zero gravity. It is so much eye stuff. So much eye stuff. But I guess that is true. Like if you you were exposed to the vacuum space, your eyes would burst because of the pressure. Yeah, because it's pressure. 
And but Captain Miller is telling him like, we, you, this is I know this is incredibly painful. We can save you. We can save you. What? Bl- like, all right. Blow. I know. Blow all the air out of your lungs. Because when the, you hit the vacuum of space, I'm going to I'm going to grab you and then push you back into the airlock. Because he's Captain Miller's on the outside of the oh, right. okay. ship. The airlock door opens. Justin screaming is sent flying into space, and Captain Miller is able to jump off. Again, I don't know how physics works in space. Uh, nope, jump nothing. off the outside of the ship and push both of them floating back into the airlock. They're able to close the door and get both of them out. So Justin is in terrible shape, but they're able to stabilize him. His eyes. R.I.P. That's a feature wrap on Justin's eyes. Like, it, it, but at least he lives. Oh no. Yeah. Okay. And it's a horrifying scene, but I was actually like pretty impressed because I was like, I assumed as soon as you got hit the hit, hit the air in space or like yeah. lack of air in space that you like you instantly would absolutely, are yeah dead. Like, so if yeah, if you're a scientist or an astronaut, write in and let us know how long we would last in space. Not us personally. Yeah. We would let la- we wouldn't last in space at all. No, no, I'm not even taking that Uber to get to the space. Launch thing. But I I am curious, like, could you... I mean, I think it's more that you would freeze. I always thought freezing was the thing. Yes. I, I, I... I I'm, I'm I'm I don't know I I've always thought like either you explode or freeze but definitely I never thought your your nude not nude uncovered human body could be exposed to space and live I thought so yes. your body I would absolutely that you be wrecked instantly would die so but apparently so Justin we'll is alive him. and he's stabilized and um they have four hours of oxygen left and it's going to be like down to the minute for fixing the outside of the hull but they think we're going to be able to do it you know. And Captain Miller says, I need to know what happened to the other crew or else we're not going to survive. Because if this is what Justin's doing, right. we need to figure out what's going on or we're all going to be dead because we're going to be start doing some Justin-like things, you know? Yeah. And they're trying to figure out, like Justin mentioned, like the dark inside me, what, is, what does that mean? And, and they ask Dr. Weir and Dr. Weir says, I don't think it means anything. Okay, well, we're, I'm done asking questions <laughs> uh, to him. And Cap- luckily, Captain Miller has also hit his, his, like, you know, like, wall of how much bullshit he's willing to take from Dr. Weir. It's like, you built this ship and you give me nothing but bullshit. And Captain, nice. and he says, like, this, you said the ship's core creates a gateway. Like, so where does it go? Like, not the end destination, but, like, what's the in-between? When we see the right. pencil go through the magazine, what are the internal pages? And Dr. Weir says, I don't know. Bitch, then why, what are you talking about? Then how did you think that this is going to work? happening. Exactly. So he's so Dr. Weir storms off or whatever. Captain Miller immediately hears a man screaming, and it's the guy on fire again. And he's oh, saying, Don't leave he's me. Back. And he's incredibly traumatized. And he talks to Do, uh, Dr. DJ and he tells him that the man on fire that he keeps seeing is his former shipmate, Eddie Corrick. And he worked with on a ship under the Goliath. There was a huge accident. And he, uh, Captain Miller and four other people were able to get onto the lifeboat shuttle. Okay. And Eddie wasn't. So they had to watch as Eddie was consumed in flames. And and basically it came down to Eddie was screaming, don't leave me behind. And Captain Miller had to be the one that pressed the button to send the shuttle off. So it wasn't Ooh. his fault. He didn't cause this. No. But like he essentially had to make the decision. Feels I have to save yeah. my other men and let one person die. And it has always haunted him. And he's always said, I could, from then I always told myself, I will never... I will never lose another man. And that's why it was very important for him to save Justin. I would have been sorry, Justin. I don't know how we're going to do, like, I don't know what the plan is here. But Captain Miller— Also, I would vow to myself to never go to space again. Oh, I'd be like, I have to go back to school. That would be my— Yeah, like, I have a lot of transferable skills. Like, I know that I'm going to be an attractive candidate. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and also Lawrence Fishburne, as I was telling Allison, I literally teared up at, at like the end of this movie because I'm like, Lawrence Fishburne is a great actor. Like he is a lot of like excellent, everyone has a great monologue in this movie, but I'm like, I buy it. Like he is someone like yeah. broken by this experience. He's like, I will never leave you behind. And that's why he's like, we have to figure out what happened to this crew because I can't lose you. Like I can't right. lose any of you. Dr. G.A. says, oh, that sucks. Anyways, I made a mistake translating that Latin phrase from the distress call. It wasn't save me. It was save yourself from hell. Something it would have been <laughs> good to know hours ago what? before this bullshit started. Yeah, that is started. a very different message. Yeah. And uh, G.A. said, so if this ship went beyond, like, the bounds of, like, our understanding of reality, where did it go? And Captain Mill says, you don't believe in hell, do you? And Dr. DJ says, well, whoever sent that message did. So, like, I don't know if it was real, right. but, like, whoever was screaming that in Latin definitely was experiencing it. Yes. Thankfully, Allison, we arrived. Cooper calls in. He and Smith have finished repairing the Lewis and Clark. We are ready to Thank go. God. Thank God. They go to restart the ship, and they realize there's, like, a little leak. But Cooper says, that will take me 20 minutes to fix. So they, they said, 20 minutes, we're going to be out of here. So everyone, he's, you know, sent off on the little missions. Um, right. Peter's finally unscrambled the final um, entry of the ship's log. And Allison, here is what the final entry, the visual we see is, we just saw this crew like, oh, no. it's we're the first girl on the Event Horizon. We're going to take this exciting uh, trip. Seconds later, cut to the Event Horizon's crew tearing each other apart, vomiting, eating each other's entrails, raping each other, tearing oh. out their own eyes. And we see the captain of the Event Horizon speaking Latin, and he is offering his eyeballs to the camera. And needless to say, it's a huge bummer. So they went in a moment, wherever they went. It's In my mind, it was the Hellraiser dimension. Like, it, I, they clearly, went to a, I mean, yeah, that's what it sounds like. But like, not sexy. Like, Hellraiser, no, but not even the like, ooh, but not it's kind of sexy. sexy. Not even yeah. a little sexy. And Captain Miller sees that. He's like, okay, fuck it. Everyone just get on the Lewis Clark. We got to get out of here. Yeah. Like, we can't bullshit Let's, around or whatever. We just got to move. Dr. Weir has the stones mm. to come up and say, no, we can't leave. Our orders are specific. It's like, uh, uh, do you not see that video? Me? Also, Excuse the, me? Their orders are rescue the crew. Spoiler alert, they're all D dead. Can't. And salvage was less of the ship. So it's like, we're they're going to take like the Don't hard drive or whatever. Ship. But they right. they can't rescue the actual ship. Something is direly wrong. Yes. So they, they're sending everyone on their final missions like, Somebody pack up Justin's little body and make sure he's okay. Somebody get the hard drive. And then uh, Peters and Smith go and get the sea oak scrubber. So I guess there's like these long poles that okay. clean the sea CO2 out of the air. And so they have to okay. go and get like 25 of them because to make the final trip. So they're like pulling them out of the wall. Unfortunately, the CO2 scrubbers are in the same room as the gravity core. Huge design flaw, Dr. Weir. Why mean... would you do this? So they go down there and they're scrambling around and Smith is like, we've got enough. We got to get the fuck out of here. And he runs, but Peter stays behind. And unfortunately, Peter sees her son. Oh, and he's no. up and he's running around. And the thing is, you know, this ship is just too tricky. And she ends up following ship. her son. We know that he's just an hallucination. Right. But she follows him up onto a catwalk and he, the hallucination tricks her into falling and she falls into the gravity core room and dies drowning in the pool of liquid. So mm, Peter's... That liquid. You, he did an incredible job. I hope you had a good time with your son's birthday like we saw in the video because you're not going to see another one. Yeah. Um, Dr. Weir is still, meanwhile, is still yammering to uh, Captain Miller like, we can't leave. We have a mission whatever. And we can't just leave the ship. And Captain Miller says, I'm not leaving the ship. We are going to get in Lewis Clark and go to a certain 
whatever distance, and I'm going to fucking shoot a tactile missile into the event horizon and destroy this fucking thing. This is the best idea I've heard this whole movie. Exactly. Fuck. Captain Miller says, fuck this ship, which again is great. Fuck this ship. It's very funny. Suddenly, the bioscan of the event horizon goes off the charts, the core starts draining power, and the gateway is opening again. So ostensibly, the ship can open the gateway by itself, and Dr. Weir says to Captain Miller, you can't leave. She won't let you. And Captain Miller says, you get your ass on the ship or you will be walking home. And Dr. Weir says, I am already home. And they sort of oh. steps into the shadows. So it's like, okay, fuck him then. He could stay Fine, here. then you stay on your stupid ship that you made. Exactly. Get the fuck out of here. So everyone is sort of separated. So they're not aware. Like, nobody knows that Peters is dead because nobody is like, everyone's in different areas trying to figure out, right. like, how do we, you know, prepare for this, you know, right. to eventually leave. Finally, Dr. Weir shows up in the gravity core and he is horrified that to find Peter's body, but it's like, I never thought that my black hole machine would kill one of my friends. It's like, what did you think was happening? Like, yeah, obviously somebody what, was going to be killed. We saw what happened to the other crew. Right. They weren't like a weird anomaly. They were like, what happens on the ship? So Dr. Weir has, like, he goes into sort of a dream state, and we see, finally, we get some context for his situation with his wife. Why is his wife always nude and soaking wet when we see her in this hallucination? And he's talking to his wife. This has obviously happened sometime in the past. And he is watching as she is getting into the bathtub and <gasps> committing suicide. Oh. And he's begging her, like, please don't. Dark. But it's not really happening. He's just like this uh, a ghost right. in the room. And she's a hallucination. And he's sobbing. And I guess what I think, like, he was already so psychologically vulnerable that the ship was able to immediately start to manipulate him. Alternately, mm-hmm. that he was already being manipulated by the ship from the very beginning before they even got to the ship, because he invented it. Like, it had some sort of, like, psychological connection to him. Yeah. So, all of which is to say, I feel really bad for him, but also all this stuff is also on him. You know, like, he made a lot of terrible decisions. So all this is, we're all getting ready, and finally, Smith is on the cap, the Lois and Clark, like, okay, everyone has to get up here, whatever. And then he sees um, Dr. Weir running off of the Lewis and Clark. And Smith and Captain Miller realizes that Dr. Weir has planted one of the explosive devices, which we saw in the corridor, in right. Lewis and Clark, and is trying oh to blow God. up the ship. No. And Smith is like, God damn it, I just spent this 20 guy. hours fixing this fucking ship. So he's like, you know, and Captain Captain Miller's like, just get off the ship. Like, I guess Justin is still in the event horizon. So, like, there's nobody right. else on the Lewis and Clark. So he's like, get off the Lewis and Clark. It's right. going to, if it's going to explode, explode, you're going to die out there. So right. it's like, no, fuck this, like, whatever. And he's tearing it apart. And finally, he realizes that Dr. Weir has put it in um, his own bunk. And he, he finds okay. it, but it's it's too late. He can't de- he can't uh, stop it from detonating. Disarm. yeah. So literally, there's just four seconds of, doc- of Smith just, like, sadly watching the countdown. No. And then the fucking thing detonates, and the Lewis and Clark is destroyed. That ship is done. Like, that's how they were going to get home. So, Allison, my question to you now is, who is going to possibly survive this movie? Who will survive? I think everybody's going to die by the very end, but the last person to die is going to be Dr. Weir. Okay, great. An excellent guess. 
Save big money on everything. Now at Menards. Make quick work of your outdoor cleaning project with Master Force Outdoor and Landscaping Tools. The 80-volt cordless trimmer is powerful, efficient, and hassle-free. So you spend less time working on your yard and more time enjoying the results. On sale now through May 19th. Check out our wide selection of Master Force tools and see the rest of our deals on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. People think the new fresh fragrances from Glade are fresher than fresh, like artist Angela. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate, taking back the House, or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's 2024 volunteer program. And just to make it interesting, we're pitting you against each other. Vote Save America will sort you onto a team east or west, and you'll compete with a community of other volunteers to maximize your impact on the ground with opportunities tailored to you and the causes you care about. The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com and this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. So the explosion like rips the airlock of Lewis and Clark and it sends Cooper out into space and he just screams, oh shit, which again, comedic relief. But luckily he's able to like blow his air supply and jettison back towards the ship. So luckily, because I was like, that's the worst possible option for death is suffocating hours or days later once your oxygen runs out and you're miles from wherever you were at. Oh my God. Um, Space deaths are all bad. Captain Miller calls down to Dr. DJ and tells him, like, if you see Dr. Weir, just fucking kill that guy. Like, he's going to just keep causing chaos. Dr. DJ picks up a surgical saw. It's like, I'm ready. He turns around, and Dr. Weir just absolutely just kicks his ass. Like, Dr. Weir is immediately there, and he's super strong. Like, he's just, like, has this, like, he is now totally united with the ship. Ship. Like, and we see now that Dr. Weir's eyes are gone. He has torn out his own eyes. No, what is all the eye stuff? Well, he's going to have a great line where he explains, I don't know if it explains it, but he contextualizes Some why context, you're supposed to, yeah, yeah. Uh, tear your own eyes. Um, unfortunately, you know, Captain Miller tries to run down and stop stop uh, this attack. And when he gets there, Dr. DJ is suspended from the ceiling on, like, um, cords. His Torso is totally cut open, and all of his internal organs have dumped onto a surgical table. Mm-mm. So Dr. DJ, unfortunately, is uh, gone. 
And, you know, and and Captain Miller is very distressed because he vowed, oh, I'm not going to lose another man. He's losing them left and right. You know, he can barely keep track of how how many men he's losing. Captain Miller finds Stark, who is passed out, and he's trying to take her back to Lewis and Clark, and they're in the bridge. And finally, Dr. Weir turns around, and he's in the captain's chair. And Captain Miller says... Oh, my God. What happened to your eyes? Where am I going? We won't need eyes to see. I feel like just because you don't need them doesn't mean you have to take them out. Right. I sometimes bring a bathing suit to go on vacation to a place that doesn't have a pool. You just don't know. Like, it's okay. You can still have it with you. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't, we don't need fingernails. You don't have to tear them off. Like, right. they're just fine as they right. are. And Captain Miller replies, this is my favorite line of the movie, which is, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> which I thought was just, like, a perfect really delivery. Good. And so Dr. Weir has his, like, villain monologue where he says, I created the event horizon to reach the stars, but she's gone much, much farther than that. She tore a hole in our universe, a gateway to another dimension, a dimension of pure chaos, pure evil. When she crossed over, she was just a ship, but when she came back, she was alive. Look at her, Miller. Isn't she beautiful? And you know, you might not have eyes, but you hate to see it. You hate to see it. everything you said, you're like, this is bad. This is not good. And Captain Miller's like, no, fuck you. We're getting off the ship. And Dr. Weir goes to turn on the gravity core and basically, I want to leap back to wherever the ship went. So we're going to go to this hell dimension, and I'm going to take oh, everyone here. I'm not going to let you go. You were now the crew of this ship. Meanwhile, we saw the crew, and they killed themselves. Like, yeah. they killed each other. So I'm like, is that the same thing that's going to happen? But um, he said, you know, do you want to know where the ship has been? Well, you're about to find out. They attempt to attack him. It doesn't pan out. And Dr. Weir is about to shoot Captain Miller with a harpoon gun when suddenly— a body slams into the uh, window of the bridge from the outside. It's Cooper. He's still alive. Dr. Weir pivots and shoots the harpoon gun through the window of the event horizon, shattering the window, and everything gets sucked out. Right, because now, uh, you know, space. Including Dr. Weir. Dr. Weir is sucked out of the spaceship. It's like, well, bitch, that was a terrible plan, wasn't it? Yes. But, so Cooper, we have Cooper Stark and... Captain Miller are like, okay, well, we're going to have to do that thing you mentioned previously where we blow up the corridor. Essentially, a part of the ship is going to be a little lifeboat. So they're going to get there. They're going to blow up the corridor. So they run over there. They get Justin. They throw his comatose body in there. And Captain Miller runs back to set the explosive devices. While he's doing that, Dr. Weir shows the fuck back up. How? How? And his eyes are back. And he's sort of like cut into a million pieces. And his only explanation is the ship brought me back, it didn't want me to leave, and it doesn't want any of you to leave. There's an explosive fire, of course, during this. So, like, things are bad enough, and then there's, like, a terrible fire to the point where Captain Miller has to run down to the gravity core room to escape. So not only is there an explosive device that he just armed that's going to go off in five minutes, he is caught in this gravity core, which we've seen Dr. Weir turn on, and now Dr. Weir has come back from the dead, Mm-mm. and is kicking his ass, just fucking throwing him like a rag doll around this room. And he tells him, like, you know, he, again, like, he's just like, I'm going to take you with me. It wants it wants to be with us. Like, we're its crew now. Do you understand? Do you finally see? And Captain Miller says, I do. And he detonates the explosive devices, which ostensibly means he is freeing Cooper, Stark, and Justin to escape. And he is... Yes. 
not dying, but instead he is going to be sucked into this hell dimension with Dr. Weir ostensibly forever. So it's not just that Captain Miller sacrificed his life. What? He is ostensibly going to be on that motherfucking ship wherever it's going until eternity. I don't even know if you can die in there because Dr. Weir died. Those people aren't dying. They're just kind of in a nightmare. And that's why Captain Miller is a great person and Lawrence Fishburne is an excellent actor. And I'm literally like tearing up like he made the (laughs) ultimate sacrifice. You know, like death is one thing. (gasps) Death is fine. Wherever they're going, like you're going to wish that you were done. Yeah. So meanwhile, so Cooper, Stark, and Stark and Justin's still unconscious. They're like, we're going to go into gravity stasis. They're able to turn on like a beacon. Essentially, Mm -hmm. they're just going to have to float through space until somebody finds them. And, you know, then we get a little uh, on-screen text that says 72 days later, and Stark wakes up, and a rescue team has found them. And they've opened up their gravity chambers, and Stark's, like, coughing, and the rescue team guy's like, don't worry, you know, you're safe. And then he opens his helmet. It's Dr. Weir. (gasps) And And he's like, they're all here with you. Cut to, it was another dream, Allison. Stark is really waking up. A rescue team did find them, and both she, Cooper, and Justin are going to be fine. But she's just screaming. And the end is basically Cooper trying to comfort her while she just screams and screams. And um, over the credits, there's like a bopping um, techno song, which is also another great vestige of the late 90s. Yeah, great techno in the 90s. The end. Wow, Event Horizon. Scary. Um, now, Allison, are there any, if you could think of any fatal mistakes that anyone made at any point in time in this movie? Fatal mistakes. I think touching the gravity core mm-hmm. would rank high on my list because that seemed to be a, a real moment when things changed. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, I think making a spaceship with a technology that you can't predict is a bad idea. Yeah, I think making declarations about a new technology, even if you invented it, I think you just can't, you got to allow some some room for recalibration. Right, right. New You're information as it gets used. Um, and I wanted to ask you, do you have an Eddie Couric character? Like, do you have somebody in your past where you're like, oh, it's I still think about how how mean I was to them, or like that mm-hmm. one time I did this completely idiotic thing at a party, mm-hmm. and I just, I, I it, Haunting. it haunts me. I would Does say, I, mind? I, in my adult life, I think I've become like a nice person. Um, in college, I love this as a preface. Okay, good, yes. <laughs> college, me, was chaos. Um, mm-hmm. My friends and I were party animals. I mean, still are, but, like, not as menacing, I guess. Yeah. But there was, there were, when I was rowing, and we were, like, freshmen and sophomores. There oh, were I the guys you were who, a jock, too. That's a deadly a combination. I know. Lethal. Also, like, I'm, like, the younger, lower status person in this, and, like, clearly the asshole. Um, there were these older guys who were two years older than us, and, like, they all, like, they all lived in, like, a house together off campus, and me and my friends lived in a house together off campus, and, like, various friends of mine hooked up with, like, some of them, and I I did, too, and, like, whatever. But um, we went, the one guy I made fun of, the, this guy's a senior in college. I'm, like, some sophomore who was, like, not even rowing anymore because I had, like, spine problems. And I was, like, just mean and making fun of him all the time. Um, he was, like, handsome and, like, a good athlete. I don't know why I needed to be, like, an asshole to him. We went to their oh. house, and we were in uh, his room all, like, drinking and hanging out one night. 
and I left and I just took his remote control for his TV and oh, hopped, no. hopped it into the woods. <laughs> just did he know the- that you did this? Did he see no. you do this? No, oh, no one no. saw me. I got outside and was like, showed one of my friends. I was like, look what I took. And she's like, that's so mean. <laughs> Oh my God. And then just chucked it into the snow. Um, and then we left. Uh, the Ow. same person, I once went through his kitchen and found marshmallow fluff and um, a bag of marshmallows and was very drunk. And I was like, you can't have both. It's redundant. I'm like, oh my God. So I was like, Were you seem really in love with him. That's what no, I'm getting the story. No, I can't stand him. Um, no, he's actually a perfectly nice person. And there's no reason for me to have been mean to him, but I was... Um, I, I was mean in, in college. I, like, did things that I thought were funny that were mean. Oh, I was the same way. I think I, most um, people in college are complete assholes. Well, it's just, like, you don't know the boundaries. And I went to Notre Dame, so it was, like, a fair, everyone is, like, Catholic and emotionally shut down and also drunk all the time. And similarly, yeah. I was just thinking of this guy who I— he was clearly, like, it was, like, sort of, like, a friend group I was that friends with, but he was, like, on the exterior of that friend group— and we were arguing about something, like some drunk, dumb argument. And I said something, and I said something to the effect of like, you're just being like this because you don't have any, you don't actually have any friends. And he was Ooh. so upset that he ran off into the night. And then later someone was like, well, yeah, he, he does feel like he has no friends. So that it was very mean of you to say that. And oh, I didn't even know him. Devastating. But, it, but it, it's one of those general insults. Not that this is the exact same thing, but I remember I went to go get my tarot read. And I like went there with my... Uh, you know, someone I was seeing, I was willing to pay money to get my tarot read. but So clearly it wasn't money or men that I was there to talk about. And so the right. woman at the end of the tarot goes, you know, um, I think you feel like you don't really know yourself. And I burst into tears. And I was like, that must be like a general thing that she's like, I don't know what to say. So I'm just going to say what I always say. That must get people like, there's something I mean, in that that was leveling. like, oh, so cutting. And also she so was right. Cutting. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, nobody knows themselves when they're young. I just wanted to bring that up because I feel like that when I think of who will haunt me on the event horizon, it's it's probably going to be that guy. Yeah, or one of the many other people I was mean to. I know I thought it's it was like, funny. I know because I thought I was being funny, and it turns out we were just being mean. Ugh, oh, college is a brutal worst. existence. Well, we still have our eyes, and yeah. uh, you we know, so we still have to our find eyes. another day. Yeah, and I'm not um, on a a spaceship to hell, so things are okay. Unless this is a dream, and that's fine if it is. <gasps> if this is a dream and we're technically on the ship, that seems fine with me. Not fine with me. Allison, finally, I'd like to ask you, on a spooky scale of 1 to 10 mm-hmm. screams, where would you place Event Horizon? A spooky scale. Whew. I mean, this feels like a real 8 to me, maybe a mm-hmm. 9. The the trappedness um, and the, like, uncertain, you know, the same things that we stated at the beginning, the uncertainties of space. Um, yeah, I hated them. <laughs> so I'm gonna nine. give this great. I'm gonna give this a seven because I love it. I don't know if I necessarily find it scary because again, mm. I, I when things are ex- uh, extrapolated out from my own life far enough, I don't necessarily. It's like I've never right. been on a, a haunted ship that came alive with a demon of some sort, but yeah. I love it and I it's absolutely one of my faves. Guys, thank you for joining us this week. We yes. hope you like this. Yeah, I do hope you like this. Um, if not, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, but if you do, subscribe to our podcast. Uh, if this is your first time, subscribe. Go listen to more. Rate, review, uh, tell your friends. We we love this, and we hope you love it too. <laughs> and you can email us at ruinedattheradiopoint.com. Yeah, 
questions, comments, space knowledge. I mean, we'll take any of it. Oh, please. Please tell us anything about space. I, I was, anything. I, can you hear me even anything. try to explain anything? What is gravity? You know what I mean? It's like, I don't fucking know. Underneath, even what I was saying, I didn't understand. What yeah, I was no, it's impossible to understand. We're not scientists. Uh, we're doing our best. And uh, we hope you're doing your best too. And yeah. until we see you next week, remember always, to keep it spooky. Keep it spooky. Bye. Ooh. <laughs> Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Recorded and edited by Kat Iosa. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. 